few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Ah. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios of OutlawRadioLive.com, nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area. following program is produced reluctantly and with little or no attention by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. I am the legendary Burl Bear. Special guest co-host today uh, is Christopher Columbus. No, that's not right. It's Christopher Cunningham. Uh, he's a little-known actor who had the rare distinction of playing Gary Busey's son in a movie they filmed in Bulgaria. Hey, hey. Put that on your resume. Uh, the phone should be ringing any moment. If it, if it has, it's already rang. That's good. Because uh, you know who we got on today? This is going to be a real treat. A man who hasn't been on our show for several months. <laughs> Great to have him back. Daniel Janice. Daniel. Daniel, can you hear me? No, hell yes. What a rascal you are, Daniel. I'm a rascal. I'm I'm far from home right now, bro. I'm actually on the Atlantic coast looking out at the ocean. Well, what are you doing there? I'm being a beer and uh, took the bus out here and, uh, you know. You know, the problem about going to the beach there on the east coast is you have to get a tan backwards because the sun is moving my direction. That, that, yeah, that's a bit of a problem, but they have mirrors. <laughs> yes, I know you like to use those mirrors, and so does your wife in a red leather outfit. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I know, I still so, haven't seen her in that red leather outfit you keep talking about. Oh, she's, she's keeping it for a special occasion. Hopefully <laughs> well, it's Rosh Hashanah. Isn't that special enough? Rosh Hashanah is a special occasion. Yes, uh, Shana Tova. It's Happy New Year. Yeah, Shana Tova. Yeah, you I say that. Had, I already had the Hasids in my life congratulate me yesterday before well, this happened. That's nice of them. Those Hasids, they, they, they need to call their therapist. Bro, <laughs> do you have Hasids in your life? Is oh. God a part of your life? Oh, they come crawling around knocking on my door and uh, I drive what them crazy. What do you do, shoot them with bug shot? No. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> so you're not getting my daughter pregnant. <laughs> yeah, well, let me tell you something. Chabad, you know, as you know, I was a prisoner for, for 10 years and I was I was a Jew. I was, In fact, I was the clerk of the Jews because I was the rabbi's clerk. And Chabad would come visit for every holiday. Yeah. And they would bring wonderful, wonderful things for us. I they bet they really did. They were really nice to the prisoners. Did they put, uh, like, a, a hacksaw inside the challah? <laughs> you know, there was, we always made jokes like that. Like, for example, for Purim, we would ask him to bring us liquor so we we get drunk enough so you can't tell Haman from Esther or however yeah. it goes. And they never did. They never but, did. No, but they brought hamantashen and they and they brought uh, you know the cookies, the macaroons, and it was a nice thing that he did. Oh yeah, they would send these really young guys. Like they all, they they have long beards, so they look older, but they're actually about sixteen. Yeah, and it's part of their volunteer work to, to come uh, amuse the prisoners. Prison. Well, the nice yeah. thing about uh, if you're Jewish in prison, you can try to get uh, better food. Yeah, well, I, d- I definitely did. Uh, kosher, the kosher diet was amazing. Yeah, didn't you have a lot of people who weren't Jewish try to pretend that, they were? Well, that was the problem, especially <laughs> because I was the clerk. Yeah. So the way the rabbi dealt with it, he would write in Yiddish in a pencil. He would write self-proclaimed. Uh, no, self-converted. Ah. That's how he, and I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you cannot self-convert to Orthodox Judaism. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to go to a mikvah bath. Oh, no, yeah. You have, to have to be, you have to learn some Hebrew. You can't self-convert. 
But by, you know, the state, the state had much more uh, flimsier rules <laughs> where if you said you were a Jew, you're a Jew. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people said they were Jews to get the kosher food. Because it's much better. It, it depended. There were two types of kosher food. The hot kosher diet, which had 40 people on it, and the cold kosher alternative, which had 1,000 people on it. Ooh. So you can guess which one was uh, meant for like the real Orthodox the Jews. The 40. Because there, <laughs> there, yeah, there were real Orthodox Jews inside. There what about a, Reformed or uh, Pentecostal or whatever? Let me tell you, Reformed. <laughs> the only Reformed Jew I met inside was in one jail, there was a female rabbi. Rabbi Gulak. Rabbi Gulak? <laughs> that doesn't Gulak. sound inviting. There you go. <laughs> and Rabbi Gulak was, um, I was her clerk as well. I, I clerked for four different rabbis. So uh, she was like about 400 pounds. Uh-huh. And I believe in a same-sex relationship. I'm not sure. Uh, I, but I worked for her, and uh, I, I found out how she got her job. How'd she and get her job? Out, Dare I ask? Well, by, going, by going to court. She, 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 by claiming discrimination, because the state only hires Orthodox rabbis, because an Orthodox rabbi can minister to, a, you know, a reform, a conservative, whatever, right? right? Anyone but Jews for Jesus. Right. So, so she cannot really help an Orthodox Jew, but she said that there were no reformed Jews being uh, hired and uh, it was discrimination and and the judges out of like misunderstanding i would think they they forced the state to hire her so she was very unpopular with the administration because every now and then uh a Hasid would come through that prison and say there's no rabbi here and they'd say of course there's a rabbi here there she is there she and is and they go oh, yeah. come on. He'd, say, he'd say very funny very funny there she is there Where's she the real rabbi <laughs> But I got to tell you, Rabbi Gulak was actually a very kind person. And she caused me to read a book for a long time. It was called The Red Tent. Oh, yeah. They made a movie out of that. They made a movie. Yeah, it's about uh, Jewish women menstruating together. And who could pass book? up an opportunity like that? Right? Like, <laughs> God. It, it made, anyway, I read it because I thought there's no other context in the world in which I would ever read this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to read it. And uh, I read it. It was, you know, it told the stories of Jacob and Joshua from the point of view of his wives who were menstruating together. Uh, you know, it sounded a lot more like uh, modern women complaining than it did uh, these ancient <laughs> patriarchs. <laughs> kind of like that know. TV show, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, medicine Woman? Oh, yeah. Dr. Quinn <laughs> Dr. Medicine, Quinn medicine woman. woman, where all the issues are contemporary yeah. and, you know, she's... <laughs> yeah, there's no feel for historical context at all. Sometimes uh, especially not where we are right now, I'll tell you this, in the light oh, of laughs yeah. there is. Yeah, but you got people where we are right now, you got people thinking it's the 60s and they should loot department stores because they're fighting power, but in, in reality, uh, you should see what unemployment pays around yeah, here. Yeah, I know. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I, extra, extra I found out I couldn't get it because I was management. Back when what? I uh, well, see, I owned a company called Bear Cable Advertising. I had sixteen You're employees. You and, missed out on the unemployment six hundred bucks. Yeah, but Every I did get the EDD, so that's all right. What's the EDD? That's uh, the pandemic assistance. If uh, your oh. self-employment, uh, you couldn't go be uh, a consultant to the uh, uh, TV, etc. industry because you couldn't uh, these close down productions, then you right. get money. So I got some money. 
But is that a one-time payment? Or no, no, it goes back for however many months that you weren't able to do that because of the oh, pandemic. Oh, so you so. got a fair amount of money. Good. good. Yeah, good it's all gone you, now, bro. though. <laughs> well, I got some more coming. But boy, did we just get screwed by this guy on an Airbnb thing. Why? Wow, I thought you were moving out to the Airbnb. We, we did. We went to move yesterday. And in fact, Chris Cunningham, who the uh, not quite famous actor who's That's been me. in a lot of movies, he's one of those guys you see in movies that you don't know their name, but you go, I kind of recognize that guy. I don't like those guys. No, no, I, neither do I. Character actors, they yeah. call them. Right. They think they're famous. They're not. <laughs> exactly. We try to get reservations. And nobody <laughs> no one knows, knows who we are. No. It's tough. It just doesn't work. No. No, oh, yeah. you're being attacked by something. Uh, where was you know it? Oh, what? It's the cops, actually. Believe it or not, it's the cops on a, on a dune buggy. Well, that's wonderful. Anyway, so my daughter and, and Chris is helping her uh, move us over to the uh, Airbnb and right. uh, get there. And Chris, why don't you tell Daniel what happened? Well, we pull up the guy and tell him we're uh, outside, and he opens the gate. And uh, we proceed to walk in, and... Uh, Girl's daughter, Anaya, says, hi. Hey, this is my friend, Chris. He's going to help us move. And uh, he goes, where's your father? She goes, oh, he's at the hotel. He'll be coming later. He goes, I don't like this. Uh, please leave my property or I'm calling the cops. And me and Anaya were so shocked and confused. We just looked at each other and we're like, what? What? What's going on? Why? And he's like, leave my property or I'm calling the cops. So we got in the van and... We left, but we were so confused, and uh, for the first time, I felt discriminated against as a, a young white uh, man. But she called Airbnb. Wow. And, so sorry that happened. But we to had you. to pay in advance, a month in advance, so all my money went to pay for this month in advance. So and we don't get back for seventy-two hours. They can do that, yeah. Oh my Unless God. the uh, host cancels the the reservation, uh, you don't get your money back until Airbnb. Uh, but they about. have to give a reason. Insanity, I think. <laughs> like the, you were bringing in, uh, you know, heavy machine pistols or, or Rottweilers or something. No, we had no Rottweilers, and the guy was real nice to Adia until she showed up. And because, I guess, where's your dad back at the hotel? He's 73. She says, she's 73 years old. You know, we didn't want him lifted all this stuff. Oh, that doesn't work for me. You know? Yeah. Cranky old bastard. Anyways, that's what's going on in our life. For those of you who haven't heard Daniel on the show before or watched the wonderful YouTube videos uh, that uh, were made that from the first time he was on the show, which was, gosh, a few years ago now. How many years ago was that? That must have been at least a that's couple. That's actually almost up to three now. How many? I think three. I think we visited you in 2017. Yeah. <laughs> but you were on my show far before that. Yes, of, of course. You exploited me way before that. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. By, by the way, I'm just practicing now because on Wednesday, I'm going on CNN and they're going to pay me. I'm like you, you. Oh, yeah, cheap, cheap Jew bastard, right? Yeah, well, you said it, not me. <laughs> well, what is CNN paying you for, dare I ask? I can't. I, can't say. I, I can't. I can't explain uh, what how much they're paying me. No, don't that, tell us that. that. We'll be embarrassed. But I can explain what they're paying me for. Well, uh, what I'm doing is I, I, I'm. Um, it's a show about the Amityville Horror. About the what? And the Amityville Horror. I remember sure them. <laughs> they were kind of good looking, a little expensive. Okay. That was a movie made oh, in 1973 yeah. that was based, I mean, the movie was made a little later, based on a 1973 homicide. It happened to be in a town my grandparents lived in, and I happened to have met the killer in prison and known him pretty well. Oh, so, no wow. wonder they called you. 
Wow. Yeah, they called me so I can tell stories about the guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, first they tried to get, they wanted me to just come on for the hell of it. And I thought, you know, this <laughs> Let's call Daniel Dennis for the hell of it and have him on the I show. I've been called for a lot of things, but I don't do prisoner rights stuff. I'm not a big fan of that. But uh, this I don't mind. Uh, so they said they would be licensing my my materials, you know, my pictures and such. So we'll see what happens. I have to go out to Melville, Long Island, in order to do it. No, well, that shouldn't um, be too but bad. But you know, you know, Burl, the big news with me is actually not that. Uh, if you don't mind me uh, blowing my own horn. No, I'm I, sure I, you've I, blown I, several I, things and uh, well imprisoned in your horn. How else do you succeed in life, Burl? How else do you succeed? That's right. You uh, get you you have to do blatant self promotion, BSP. So, I have a book coming out with Penguin in 2021. Uh, it should be January 2021. I am excited about this, because you told me about this book when you first were ruminating. The book ruminating. was sold back in 2014. It's so taken this, this long. It's been a long time in the making. And uh, some of the delays are my fault, some of the delays are not. But in any case, we have a finished product now, which means Penguin, which is the publisher of the book, they um, they finished their edit. Uh, they cut out a lot of stuff that, that pisses me off because I think they cut out some really good stories. But they had to make it safe for consumption, I suppose. Yeah. And, uh, uh, is this the one right of the 1,400 and some books to read while you're in prison? But this is, no, this is the way the title sounds. Sentence. Ten years and a thousand books in prison. Oh, that sounds better. Doesn't it? It's, it's more concise. Yeah. Actually, the, the president of Penguin was the one who came up with the final title. And um, I have a really good editor. He's, uh, his name is Rick Cott. He's also Barbara Streisand's editor. So he, he, he made her bestseller quite... Barbara Streisand. Uh, he, he made her uh, memoir a bestseller. So um, he really did a good job on my stuff. And I'm at the very end of approving his edits. Yeah. So um, that's it, you know. Well, you know, a good editor makes all the difference in the world. I've had wonderful editors, and I've had some where I've questioned their sanity. I've had idiots also. Well, I was about to say, as an actor, it really, uh, an editor, we depend on them. They can really make or break our uh, performance. And I've been on set many a times where the director or another actor will say, oh, we'll just get that cleaned up in editing. (laughs) You know, so I was going to ask... Uh, yeah, they do, you know, and I've, I've, you know, I've made films, and then we go to the premiere and we watch it, and I said, oh, I didn't know that was the film we were making. <laughs> I thought it was a comedy, and it ends up being a horror film, or vice versa. <laughs> so it really well, can well. take form. I was going to ask, do authors, do you guys uh, depend, I mean, depend on editors? Do oh, they, yeah, hell yes. As much as we do? Yeah, the editors really change a lot. But in my case, the biggest problem was, uh, what's offensive and what isn't, which is really strange because it's nonfiction, it's a memoir. You would think that since it's all facts, how could one fact be offensive? But it turns out there are facts that are uh, offensive and there are anecdotes which are unpalatable enough that they shouldn't be printed. I mean, well, yeah, I, well, I, mean I, I ran into that with a, a headshot. Uh, it was a family of, of a bunch of kids, nine of them, and uh, there was multi-generational incest. And incest. while Yeah, and to identify, and I even at one point had written that to keep track of who was sleeping with whom would require charts and graphs. Mm. Uh, the editor took that out along with identifying that the other people, uh, the other kids in the 
story had also uh, had incestuous relationships because they weren't the focal point of the story. It was a murder story and about the killer, etc. And why why dig this up and why why make people you know why embarrass them by bringing that up? As I had to agree with them, they it was it was very entertaining to know that the entire family had these problems, but to identify them was not really right. Yeah, that's, that's understandable because it deals with other people's privacy. Right. But, you know, like one, an example of something that really ticked me off, I had a, uh, an episode in my life in 2007 in Greenhaven Correctional Facility, which is a maximum security prison. I attended one of the, probably one of the last ever celebrations of Adolf Hitler's birthday. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. You're, you're I'm, I'm surprised the way America's going now, they'll be celebrating it as a national holiday soon. Right? No, I don't, I don't <laughs> think Adolf Hitler is very popular in America. I mean, even in prison, these are like a couple white supremacist guys who, who made a picnic, and they, they wanted everyone to wear brown shirts to the picnic. Which mm. I thought this was fun. I'm a Jew, right? I, I thought this was fun. <laughs> I was invited. So <laughs> Unless you were on the menu. <laughs> it was a ham sandwiches. Oh, yeah, I bet. So I, I attended, and I wrote it up as an, as an interesting anecdote, and the entire thing was removed because, uh, as my editor put it, this is too much for a modern audience. Is it? Well, no, I, I disagree with you, that. editor, on that one. I put, definitely put I that story that in there. Little, I thought so, too. And that's the first, like, this is the 17th chapter out of 20. So this is the first time I've had any misgivings about what he did. Because he's actually brilliant. But uh, he's just so, you know, there's such a climate in media right now that you have to be really, really careful. And, uh, you know, I have a chapter called Black is Beautiful. That, that got curtailed somewhat. Uh, this chapter that the Adolf Hitler story came from was called White Power Shower Hour, which was uh, a real thing. They all used to take showers together, the, the white power guys. Because that way you could read each other's tattoos, you see? Yes, yeah. That's lovely. I'm surprised they didn't keep that in. I guess they didn't want to offend the potential fascists who could still read that might want to read your book. Do you think that's what it is? To avoid offending the potential fascists. Yeah. Hey, because I, I, I saw a thing on Facebook, an article where, where it said that... Uh, being against fascism is no longer an American characteristic and is not acceptable. Well, I think they mean like Antifa, which loots stores. Well, Antifa doesn't really loot stores because there's no well, such organization think... as Antifa. Mm, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know that, Daniel. Don't make stuff up. Don't write fiction. Keep it, keep, keep it nonfiction. I keep, I keep I do, reminding bro. people I that. Keep... Uh, meanwhile, yes. let's go back to the beginning that has no beginning of how a nice boy such as you, one of my favorite people on earth, how I did you, you one of mine. how did you wind up in prison with such a nice boy? Oh, uh, this long story of rape and incest. No, no. no aside no, from that, no, no. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I was a, a, a good boy from a Russian Jewish uh, family, but I really liked drugs. And well, who uh, can blame you? I, yeah, well, the rabbi, you know, maybe the. Hud- I'm, I'm sober now, so I. The can judge blame blamed me, but, him. <laughs> so uh, I, you know, I went to NYU. I graduated. And I was on heroin like a year later. And uh, as long as I had credit cards, I could still afford it. 
But then uh, those ran out, and I really didn't know what to do. I, I was I needed a hundred bucks a day for heroin, and I uh, did really amateur, foolish bug mugging. Mm. Well, you walk up to people and say, "Pardon me." I walked up to people. I said, "Excuse me, sorry to do this. I need your money." And I would show them my my camping knife from when I was a Boy Scout. Now, three out of four times, I would get told, screw you, get out of here. And I would, because <laughs> I just wasn't good at this. I was more scared than they were. But every now and then, somebody would give me the money. So when I was caught, months later, I had five charges of armed robbery. And uh, if I had gone to trial, I could have gotten forever. So they wanted to kind of make an example out of me. They gave me what's called a 12 flat, which means 10 years, three months, and 29 days. Jeez, for that? Wow. That seems awful severe. Two years per robbery. I know. I didn't, I didn't even, let alone, you know, hurt anybody. I didn't even touch anybody. I barely scared the people. In fact, I had a pizza thrown at me once. <laughs> uh, that, that should give you some credit. Hurt. Yeah. No, I mean, when the other guys were telling their stories, you know, of how they shot up the place, and, you know, I, I always could just say that, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of an asshole. <laughs> because, <laughs> but, you know, the law is the law, and robbery is most certainly against the law. Yeah, even so, if it's a polite robbery. No matter how polite you right. are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, the name. The name comes from the New York Daily News, where I later published many an article. Uh, they called me the apologetic bandit because I showed contrition right at the scene of the crime. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm so sorry to rob you. <laughs> yes, and I was. But let me tell you something. That did not do me a lick of good in court. I bet it didn't. Mm. No, it didn't. All it did was show that I was uh, aware of what I was doing. Yeah. You knew right from wrong, they say. Right, so, uh, but I knew it was wrong. But I don't understand. Does that mean that other people are basically be it's know what's right and wrong? Some people don't know. How do I know what's right and wrong? Because I'm educated and white? That seems a little racist to me, too. <laughs> well, I don't know. I can't tell right from wrong. It's situational. I know, <laughs> I know that other people who didn't come from what they call a privileged background like myself, they got about half the time I did for... We wanted to make an example of you, Daniel. Yes, yes, they did. Anyway, I did the, the minimum of my time, which was the 10 years. It could have been 12. And, uh, and I got out in February of 2014, and I kind of hit the ground running. I mean, I was very lucky in that I had a, a marriage. I had, I had a, my, my she wife. She stayed with you. Me. She stayed with yeah, you. I mean, you'd only been married, what, three me. months when you got busted? No, we were we were married. I believe five months when I when I got arrested. She was the only one who gave me the benefit of the doubt and actually asked me whether I did it. Wow! You know, my my my, my parents were like, "Oh uh, hell no, he did it." Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. know him. <laughs> yeah, they were like, "Yeah, we know him." But yeah, yeah, that's not too nice. But uh, but they did come once a month and bring some food for me. So. Give them and it's awfully of sweet of your wife, who you'd only been married to for five months, to not ditch you when she had to wait ten years to get yes, out. Yes, and you know something? I, 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 this is radio, so you can't see, but I'm going to tell you, my wife is a beautiful woman. I know she's that. Intelligent, and she's she's very competent. She could easily have traded me in 
for for uh, a better model, probably. Yep. And seen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I know his wife. I have seen his wife, and she is indeed beautiful and competent. Yeah, so I, I got very lucky. So when I got out in 2014, uh, I I started publishing with Vice Magazine. I, I had a column there for a little bit until they changed up. I'll tell you, I haven't published anything in the last, in the first month of the pandemic, I published two pieces, and then after that, basically no one had any money for freelance. Yeah. I mean, I have about a hundred publications around from different places, but so many of the places where I published as recently as three years ago are just gone. Punch is no longer presenting himself as um, a writer as much as an artist. Yes, uh, he is. And he's doing quite well with that, I'm happy to say. Is he really? Yeah. Now, let me ask you something about that. But I remember Punch as having very short hair, and now I see Punch with very long hair. Yes, he grew hair. He grew the hair? Yeah, right out of his head. It's amazing how that happens. It's not attached to a hat. No, it's not attached to the hat. Uh, well, part of it is, is like a disguise. I think he didn't want people to recognize him at first. Uh, well, he already looks very different from how I used to. How well, I yeah, he was him. big and muscular. You know, I knew him in prison. That's what he was. He thought he was a Puerto Rican. <laughs> so now he looks like an artist. Yeah, he does. He looks the what part. What happened with Daniel Simone? Oh, uh, he, he drop-kicked Daniel Simone. Tragic. So Daniel Simone never wrote the treatment? No, nah, Daniel Simone didn't do uh, poop on a stick. You know, Punch never told me uh, what he compensated Simone with, but... Uh, too much. God, too much, huh? Yeah, he got taken for a cosmic ride there. Wow, that is... That is here. Why would he do such a thing? Uh, yeah, money. For money. But isn't reputation kind of more valuable? Well, I don't know. I've got a wonderful reputation. I could just use more money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and reputation is actually more important than money uh, overall. I think so. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I, uh, I have a good... My reputation is better than I imagine, I find out. Uh, <laughs> What's the Edgar Award? Yeah, that helped. <laughs> Bro, since you moved out, did you at least take the uh, the Saint car with you? The one I, the See, one well, I, I was just up there at Barb's. Uh, that's where I've been living. The uh, the other night, yeah, you went for dinner, right? Yeah, we went for dinner. Uh, Chris, uh, it was a good dinner, wasn't it, Chris? It was. Uh, I made it. Yes, <laughs> Chris. Also, in addition to being an actor, is also a fine dining chef. You got to pay that? the bills somehow. Yeah, you got to make a living somehow. So, because you know, it's rough being an act an actor. You know, you get a bunch of work, and then you don't get a bunch of work. So you got to have something. My parents right. always told me I should have something to fall back on, being as I was going into radio. And uh-huh. uh, I didn't believe them. <laughs> so well, I, I fell back on being an author. Then I found out authors need something to fall back on. They you know, do. God knows they do. And I fall back on radio, and that's done wonders for me. <laughs> actually, so listen, actually, this is know, good therapy. You know, coming to to uh, the Light Up Lounge every week and doing uh, my show and occasionally Matt's as well 
is very therapeutic. It reminds me that I did one time have a career. Well, yeah, I mean, this, this show's uh, done done very well. But listen, is it the same without Howard? Oh, I, I miss, miss Howard. Howard. Miss Howard. Miss Don Waldman. a lot. You know, I've been uploading to the Internet, to Spotify, iTunes, Anchor FM. Right. A lot of the old shows going back. Uh-huh. We started 13 years ago. 13 years ago. Is that a fact? We are wow, the longest-running long true crime podcast in America. Uh, award-winning podcast. People think we're crazy. Uh, some yeah. of the reviews say, boy, what a weird show. Uh, people either love us or hate us or tolerate us. Same well, with- Burl, what did Howard Tasso? Oh, my God. He had a blood clot. A blood clot. In his body. And actually, uh, I don't know the details of the story as well as Frank Hagen, who I, maybe you met, Frank, I don't know. Uh, Frank took him, to the, took him to the hospital. And, right. Uh, and they said, uh, yeah, you've got this blood clot, etc. Come back tomorrow. And we'll really? do. And he didn't make it till oh, tomorrow. Man. Oh my God! And that was Four very, very hours. sad. You Did know, it was so. Family behind. Yes, uh, a son and a lovely young daughter and his wonderful wife. It was very tragic. And uh, the strange thing was, is that just prior, I mean, like days before this happened, uh, I had come to the valley on some project, and I tried to get all of Howard to get to go to lunch, and. I couldn't connect with him, and I went all the way back to Stevenson Ranch. I get a phone call from Howard said, let me take you to lunch. I said, I just got all the way back to Stevenson Ranch. He said, fine, I'll come up there. And he drove up to Stevenson Ranch, and we had like a three- or four-hour lunch in Stevenson Ranch, yakking and talking, and we just had a wonderful time. And then he died. That was your goodbye. That was my goodbye lunch, yeah. Uh. And it was a week. Well, now I'm going to tear up now. Yeah, well, go right ahead. And then Don Waldman, who was my co-host prior to uh, Howard, was a wonderful guy, a great attorney. Don't tell me he died, too. Oh, yes, that's why Howard became my co-host, is that Don Waldman was standing in his kitchen talking to his wife, and in mid-sentence, he fell over dead. Okay, I'm leaving. If, if all your co-hosts <laughs> yeah, are dying, and I'm just doing it one time, so I, I'm leaving. I don't want to die. <laughs> uh, he had a, like yeah. a brain aneurysm, and bam, that was it. So I was uploading to uh, uh, all the places that now carry the show, Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Chartable, all these places. Old shows, shows with uh, Don Waldman, shows with Howard. Because you got to figure, in 13 years, we've done a hell of a lot of shows. Thousands. Wow. And uh, so I've been uploading them. Some of them I'd forgotten about. And I listened to them. Boy, they were really good, some of them, you know. Some of them are crazy, as usual. But uh, uh, there are some that are... We, we did with Mary Butterfuco. Remember? Really? Yeah. Oh, you know what the title of her book was? She had a great title for her book, Daniel. You remember uh, Mrs. Butterfuco, right? Got shot in the head by uh, Amy Fisher. I know who Butterfuco was. I know that whole town, Belmore, Long Island. Yeah. The title of her book, Getting It Through My Thick Skull. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I like that. Isn't that a great title for her book? <laughs> Joe, Joey Butterfuco had a, had, a, had a great title for his book, too, which was Uncut. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, did um bump Yeah. But that wasn't a book. That was a board. <laughs> yes, that's Coincidentally, sure Amy Fisher got it through her thick skull, too, but <laughs> yeah, in a different way. Different way. Yes. <laughs> did bump yeah. And all three networks had Amy Fisher TV movies. I remember well, that. Well, that's because Annie Fisher was mildly good-looking. It turns out if the you long- do something violent and you're, uh, you know, effable, then you can have <laughs> a TV, you know, uh-huh. attention. 
the hey, Long Jody Arias. Yeah, Jody Arias. Oh boy, was she a wacko. Yeah, they've done a lot of shows uh, uh, on Fatal Beauty. Uh, oh yeah, Roger Glover. They haven't done a uh, scripted one yet, but boy, that that show. Well, the first time I was on TV talking about Rhonda Glover, I hadn't written the book yet. Mm. They were, oh, yeah. I, I just got to Texas to do the research when Snapped gets hold of me and says, we're doing a show on Rhonda Glover. We know you're writing the book. Can we interview you? And I said, I haven't researched the book yet. I said, we'll give you the information. So That's awesome. <laughs> and did they? Yes. And so I did Snapped. And then the same story again on Behind Mansion Walls and again on Deadly Women. So I've done that same one about three what, times. What's deadly women. Yeah, deadly women. It's on ID. Yeah, the deadly sins. You know, deadly sins was originally going to be a book that Darren Kavanoki and I were going to do, and it wound up being a TV show that he did, and I guess started on. That's awesome. <laughs> but so you could have been on that. You know that Daniel? Did you, hey, Daniel, did you get to meet up that guy you wanted to meet up with in Los Angeles, the famous guy? Uh, you were here doing a uh, an episode of something on uh, prison food and how you cook such delicious yes, food I, in prison. I, I, I recorded an episode for the National Geographic Channel, which really was a rather short episode, but it was uh, very well compensated. I'll tell you that. Well, I liked it because you made me cheesecake and I ate the whole thing. <laughs> well, that's a famous story, isn't it? Yes. Prison style cheesecake, huh? Four pounds of cheesecake. I ate, well, we were watching uh, whatever that movie is that I really liked. That's, that's based on Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah, or no, Robert Heinlein, I think. Robert Heinlein, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Now, closed loop, what do you call it? Closed loop time travel. Yeah, the idea wasn't the guy is his own uh, father and, and his, his own, own mother. mother. Yeah. yeah. Because he has a sex change. Yes. And, and it wasn't Heinlein clever to think of that before there were actual sex changes. And, well, there's, and the time travel, of course. Yeah. Class, that's called closed-loop time travel. Wow. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the movie. Uh, very clever. I think it's not the greatest movie, but it, it gives you a good, uh, you know, if, if this is why time travel is impossible, because of paradoxes like this. That's a fun Who paradox. Can be said to be the guy's mother and father? Yes, and he has to go into the future to catch himself or something. Yeah, yeah, there's that, too. Do you remember a film where uh, Clark Kent, I mean, what was his name, Christopher Reeves? Yeah. Where Christopher Reeves uh, vanishes into the past. Yes. And the woman gives him a watch and says, come back to me. Yeah. And then, okay, in that movie, where does the watch come from? If the woman brings him the watch from the past, and he brings the watch to her by traveling to the past, and she, you know she just ages until she meets him as a young man, where's the watch from? From which decade? Who made the watch? The watchmaker. <laughs> which watchmaker? It's, it's, there's no. It's unclear where it comes from. There's no origin of the watch, and this is the, called the grandfather paradox of time travel. If you go back in time and shoot your grandfather then you no longer exist to go back in time. So that means you haven't shot your grandfather, so you do exist, in which case you do go back in time and shoot your grandfather, in which case you don't exist. Do you see how this keeps going? Yes, it keeps going. Very muddy. Well, the problem with that is you're dealing with a linear model of time, and time is not linear. Oh, it's not, is it? No. So if I drop my coffee cup, there's a circular time that gets the coffee back in the cup? Yes. Well, actually, it's multi-layers uh, happening simultaneously, kind of like a loop. 
Uh, which YouTube video told you this? Is it the same one? <laughs> no, 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 no. That, 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 is, that is a scientific thing. We know that time is not linear. Everything is happening simultaneously. It's just, if it was linear, it's easier to think of it as being linear when it's not. I'll give you the, the, the example that's most often used by scientists in their spare time is if you take a cone like you get from uh, cotton candy right, and you put an ant on the inside of it, and you're looking at the ant crawling along the inside of the cone. You can right. see its past, its present, and its future simultaneously. The ant can't. To the ant, you know, it's linear. To you, you can see it all at once. It's all at the same, th- it's the same time. And that's the way it is with time. Which is right. why you could have precognitive dreams, such as I do, and my daughter does brilliantly. You know the strange thing about those? That my daughter my daughter has a well of course she's younger, so she has stronger. I used to have a stronger too. Is you have a dream that makes no sense. You don't know the people in the dream. Right? We'll give a classic example is dream where she she's in a restaurant she's never been in her entire life, with people she does not know that she's never seen before in her entire life. And the jukebox plays two familiar songs, one right after the other. That's the end of the dream. Uh-huh. Okay? Now, she calls and tells me, Dad, I had another one of those dreams, the ones that make no she sense. She knows it's a precognitive dream. You can tell a precognitive dream. She, she gives, how? It, I'll tell you how she knows, the same way I know. It makes no sense, no one in it you know, and it has a funny feeling about it. And you wake up right away and you go, uh-oh, that's one of those. So then, several years later, I get a phone call. Dad! Remember I told you about the one with the restaurant? He goes, yeah. He says, well, I went to Tucson for a job interview. And after Tucson. the interview, the Tucson, guy says... Arizona. Yeah, Tucson, Arizona. Says, I'm taking you out for lunch or dinner, whatever it is, with other members of the people who work here, which you haven't met. So they all go to this restaurant in Tucson, and she walks in, bam, she recognizes it. It's the one from the dream. And she looks at the people. These are the same people. She sits down. The jukebox plays song number one. And then very bravely, she says out loud, and now the jukebox will play. And she names the second song. Amazing. The second song comes on. They go, how did you know that? She goes, don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So That's amazing. We have, my daughter and I both have this. Uh, <laughs> we always remember the ones that are ahead of time, and we tell each other about them, and then wait to see when they happen. Really? Yeah. Can't you remember lottery numbers or something a little six, more? Six five three nine six zero oh, five. That was a winning lottery number that I didn't bet on. It was my uh, uh, ID number in college, and I had a dream that if I bet on that, I would win, and I oh. didn't. And that number did come up. So, Burl's like a superhero. Oh. He was exposed to a lot of radiation as a, a young baby, <laughs> and so I think that probably yeah. my daughter more than well, I. That's- Radiation. Well, see, we, I, I was living by, next to the Hanford Atomic Energy Plant. That's in, in Winnet. Where are you from? The Winnet Wonk? Uh, Walla Walla, Willy Wonka. Walla Walla, 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 Washington. Walla. How could they name a place that? Very though? simple. It's an Indian. It means many waters. Water, water. There's also Wallula uh, Junction and Wallawa Lake. All things to do with water. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. Walla Walla means a lot of water. A lot of water? A lot of water. So uh, I had a lot of water. Is Walla Walla a big place? No, no. It's the oldest town in the state, by the way. It's got Uh about uh, 25 to 30,000 people inside the city limits, another 10,000 outside the city limits. Bro, were you the only Jew there? No, there were just enough to be persecuted. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. In fact, uh, Jews were not allowed 
Yeah, I get a kick out of telling this story. Uh, Jews, even though the international president of the Elks Club was Jewish, the local Elks Club did not allow Jews. However, if you join the Elks Club anywhere, you're a member. So being as my dad could not be a member in Walla Walla because he was a Jew, he went 15 miles away to Milton Freewater, Oregon. This itty-bitty little town that had an Elks Club that was more than happy to take his membership fee. Of course. And then every uh-huh. Tuesday night, we would all go to the Elks Club for dinner. Just to say, fuck. Just to piss them off. Just to piss them off. I've always wondered, what's in an elk club? Elks. Do they let an ex-con like me into it? There are no elks there. I know that. (laughs) No, that's just like the Lions Club, which does charity things for the blind, and the Elks Club... I don't know what it. I can't remember. What no it elks, no Jews, and no convicts. <laughs> yes, right. Sorry. Uh, I bet no communists either. Oh no, I probably so. not. You know what cracks me up is people say they they want to make America a communist country. You how could you going to take away all businesses in America? <laughs> I'm so sure. Well, that's what they're doing now with this COVID nonsense. Uh, no, they're making them all go bankrupt. In New York City. Any businesses still open there? Hardly. You know the national chains, although not J.C. Penney. Not J.C. Penny, not Chase Penny. How about Monkey Wards? I don't know about Monkey Wards. Yeah, I get your joke though. Yeah, but can you believe J.C. Penny's on? No, I can't. It's bankrupt, closing like, down. Just like the Boy Scouts. Well, the Boy Scouts really made a mistake by letting in girls. Yeah, <laughs> what they call it—the no Girl point. Scouts. The Boy the Scouts really Scouts screwed themselves. The Boy yeah. Scouts over the, over letting in the girls. Well, does they have Girl Scouts? That's why they sued. Because if you if the Boy Scouts let the girls in too, then what's the point of having the Girl Scouts? And Boy Scout stuff is better. Yeah, I was a they Cub have, Scout. I was too. Yeah, I was, I was too. An urban Boy Scout, Cub Scout. So really, I just kind of got uh, bullied. <laughs> Wasn't that great? Yeah. We played basketball. Well, that's kind of cool. No. No, it wasn't cool. Uh, anyway, getting back to the cheesecake. Daniel made an eight-pound or whatever it was cheesecake. We're sitting in the dark watching this movie about closed-loop time travel. And either you or your beloved wife says, Burl, would you like some cheesecake? And you gave me this giant drum <laughs> full yeah, of cheesecake. Yeah, of it. And it we're sitting there in the dark. Flavored. And I'm eating cheesecake until the movie's over. And then it was revealed how much of your cheesecake I had eaten. Well, oh, I was man. worried. I thought it was the end of you, Burl. <laughs> because <laughs> I ate so much cheesecake. Well, you're not a young man. Yeah. And the, uh, the calories and cholesterol in that cheesecake are an enormous amount. <laughs> yes, it was. But it was delicious. I mean, if this is the kind of cheesecake you can make in prison, I'm surprised yes. there other people lining up saying, to hell with yes. Wendy's, we're going and, to San and, Quentin. And that sounds Geographic great. I want to try that. paid for the ingredients. How did you make that? What was it? Uh, I mean, this is there was prison a recipe. A bunch of cream cheese and sh- condensed milk and um, uh, Sanka coffee. Sanka, the stuff with no caffeine in it. Yeah. That's why it didn't kill you, because it didn't have caffeine in it. Ah. If it would have caffeine in it, then what? Then you would have had a heart attack, girl. I'm oh. sorry. Well, I, already, I did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, Burl, you had a, bi- a bypass, huh? Quadruple bypass. Now, what's that mean, quadruple bypass? That means all four all four of my major arteries were clogged. They had took my heart out, put me on a heart-lung machine. Right. So your heart was laying on a table? Yeah, yeah. You were heartless. I was heartless. <laughs> Pardon me. And then, they, in addition to that, they gave me a new heart valve. Oh, 
Was it a pig valve? I don't know if it's a pig valve or not. You can be, you can be Jewish and get a pig valve. That's kosher because yeah. it saves and your life. How does that work? You become a pig, for God's sake. No, it works because you can violate any law to save a life. That is true. That is true. So there you go. So if it's a pig valve, I'm happy for the pig, and the pig's happy for me. If it's an artificial <laughs> valve, I'm uh, happy for art. But uh, in any event, and the reason I, they, they thought I had a heart attack, it was a miracle they discovered this, is uh, actually I had a COPD attack. I couldn't breathe, passed out. They thought I was having a heart attack, called the ambulance. But I had a rescue angler, I'd probably be dead by now because they didn't know about the heart thing. They thought it was my heart. They take me to the hospital. They check my heart. Go, oh, Gavolt, he's totally clogged. And they say, we must do emergency surgery right away and wow. give you a quadruple bypass and a new heart valve or you're going to be dead. I said, fine. God, who pays for that? Medicare? Uh, Medicare and uh, Kaiser Permanente Insurance. Oh, how do you have that? Well, I'm over 65. And then I have, uh, right. so I have Medicare. And then okay. I have uh, Kaiser Senior Advantage. So. Very good. So in any event, the, uh, I said, okay, do it. And then they say, oh, we're awfully sorry we can't. And I say, why is that? And they said, because in the short amount of time you've been here, and this is why I wasn't at Kaiser yet. I was at uh, Henry Mayo or something. They said, you have contracted blood poisoning and, pneumonia, and pneumonia while you were in the hospital. That's horrible. You got it too Yes, I had blood poisoning and pneumonia that I got in the hospital before the, in, between Friday and Monday, so they couldn't do the surgery. So they spent a week uh, pumping me full of antibiotics, fentanyl, and morphine to keep me amused. Oh, we know you like the fentanyl. No, I didn't. <laughs> Not afterwards, anyway. Uh, and then by, when it got to be about a week, Kaiser said, this is BS. They pulled me out of Henry Mayo and put me in the uh, Kaiser cardiac unit uh, here in L.A. and did the uh -huh. surgery, and I lived through the surgery. And... Uh, Weird things happened, though, while I was in the hospital. Almost all my accounts were hacked. How people knew I was unconscious in the hospital, That's I don't crazy. know. Your accounts were hacked? Oh, yeah, like all my uh, uh, all my accounts. The thing is, I couldn't do much about it because, you know, a general anesthetic will screw with your memory. But, Burl, it must have been someone you know. Yeah, must have you been. You think? You think? Uh, and uh, but I'll tell you how I got my money back from the bank, however... Two different people uh, submitted phony bills to uh, my bank for several hundreds of dollars. And uh, uh, no matter how many times we objected and said, I didn't do that transaction. I was in the hospital having my heart taken out. I didn't do any transactions. Three times they said, oh, we investigated and yes, you did the transaction. And I had to no, prove to them I was in the hospital. Like they still refused. So I petitioned... There is a uh, a government agency that that uh, investigates banks, and I appealed to them and I said, "Here's the story. All it took was one letter from this government branch saying, "Please explain to us why you haven't given Mr. Bear back his money." They went, "Oh, we're so sorry. I don't know how we overlooked that. Here's your money back, Mr. Bear." They're terrible. But did you ever figure out who did it? I mean... No, variety, it was more than one. More than one person. Uh, more than one person did it yeah. to you? Yeah. Well, who are you spending time with? Well, it wasn't people I was spending time with. I think it was people that maybe I spent money with. I also, <laughs> they totally messed up my YouTube account, where I am now banned from YouTube. They You're put banned some, from YouTube? Yeah, I had what to... What did you put up? Uh, I didn't... Uh, they, what did they put up? They put up something nasty, made a general under my name. 
He was in porn what, or something. What, what did they put up nasty that, that got you banned? Something pornographic. Pornographic, I see. And well, all well. this happened while I was in the, the hospital. So I, I'm, I'm on YouTube now, but I'm under a different uh, account. And all the videos that I put up there, that some of them are lost now, like such as my movie debut, oh, uh, you know, variety of other things. I, I saw the nice video of you as a young man giving, saying something. You look good. Is I did look on? good. It wasn't my voice, though. That was from the movie oh. The Last Ride, starring Dan Ranger. I played right. a p- parole board officer. You, Burl was a parole board officer. Great, yeah. we love those. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> and uh, the assistant producer put officer. the master, uh, master everything's uh, in next to some electronic equipment, which caused uh, a bit to be a, like a sixty-cycle hum through all the audio. Oh man! So they looped the entire film, except uh, including Dan. Well, Dan Ranger looped his own voice, but uh, everything was all had to be looped. You know, audio replaced. Right, I understand. And uh, so they replaced my audio, but it's close enough. I mean, I sound kind of, I sound all right. I look good. No, no complaints. You look great. Yeah. That bro bear boy. He's a good looking dude. Well, you got to look up, uh, 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 what's, what's his name? My co-host today. Christopher Columbus? Christopher Columbus. No, uh, Chris Christopher Cunningham. Cunningham. Chris Cunningham. Looking up on IMDb, the picture of him, he looks like generic teen 101. That was the that was the idea. Yeah, like if you, you want a generic it. teen, that's him. He doesn't look like that anymore. He looks like a generic young man. But he looks like white teen boy number two. You want to be able to be cast in as many things as possible or be able to be molded into any shape or form. So as generic looking as possible you can get, that was the goal. And it works. Always got a West Wing and all these other West Wing. Uh, auditioned for Law and Order four times. Didn't get that one, but I wanted to. Yeah, but, uh, I blame you. A lot of uh, different things. Yeah, it was, it was, and he got to play Gary Busey's son in a movie in Bulgaria. Now that's real success. Really? Yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's because he got to meet Steven Seagal and all these other oh yeah guys. They were there filming in Bulgaria also. Bulgaria, a lot of movies get made in Bulgaria. They do, yeah. Romania, Bulgaria, Czech Republic. In fact, my buddy, may he rest in peace, uh, the guy I'd produced a lot of TV commercials with, Lloyd Swain, uh, he went to Bulgaria uh, for the uh, Romania, one of these places, because the uh, Olympic team was doing his uh, practices for the Winter Olympics there. And when he got there, he, he hired a taxi driver and said, I need a taxi driver to be on beck and call 24-7 the entire week. I'll pay you $1,000 to be my driver for the week. Well, $1,000 at that time was like 200000 or a million or something, right? So at the end of the week, when uh, he goes to leave, the taxi driver shows up with his gorgeous teenage daughter and says, you have made it possible for me to send all my children to college, to this, to do that. Here, have sex with my daughter. I have a similar story. Yep. And my driver, Panko, he was my driver in Bulgaria. He was armed, of course. And, uh, armed? Yeah, he always had a gun on him. This is, uh, you know, a former uh, communist country and uh, Soviet country, you know. And, uh, right. But, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it could get dangerous there at times or a little sketchy. But uh, yeah, Bulgaria or Romania. This is Bulgaria uh, that I was okay. in, and uh, he did offer up uh, any one of his daughters that I chose to marry, <laughs> if I wanted to. I had a lot of okay, marriage proposals there. Marrying is a little different. Different than sex, yes. Yeah. But right. once you're married, but I'm sure I yeah. could have negotiated that if I wanted to. I don't think that would have been too hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 
That's show business, and that, show business is my life. <laughs> that blue passport will get you a lot of... Uh, Nookie. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a blue passport, a pocket full of zircons. That's your key to success. When does this book come out, Daniel? The book is going to be out January 2021. January so exactly, 20, 2021. It's after the election. It's after Christmas. After the election. After, after Christmas. Yes. It could have been out earlier, but they didn't want to do it in, in time for the election. And thank God they didn't schedule it for COVID time. I had a friend whose book came out uh, during COVID time. Yeah. He had worked for six years on it, and he got 100 uh, likes on Goodreads. Oh, man. So, you know, if I get 100 people reading my book and that's it, then I don't know. I better drown myself right here at this beach. Yes, I've often had that same feeling. Quite often, you know, it can be sometimes publishers under duress will bury a book. Uh, Jack Olson's book, Last Man Standing, which is probably one of the finest books I've ever read, finest true crime books ever published. He told the publisher, do not put a picture of Geronimo Pratt on the cover of the book. Don't need to do that. Because he always had number one bestsellers with his books. He was very famous. Just put my name, Jack Olson, Last Man Standing, put it out. The FBI, okay. the FBI who had paid Geronimo Pratt $16 million because they admitted they framed him for murder, uh, put pressure on the publisher and the book had a big picture of Geronimo Pratt on the cover. If you went to the store to buy it, you couldn't find it. You had to look under black studies. Wow. Why black? Because Geronimo Pratt was black. I thought he was a Native American. What are you no, talking? he said that was just his name. Geronimo... They'll bury yeah. movies sometimes too, you know. They'll release it in some obscure, you know, oh, yeah. uh, date or, that nobody, you know, is going to well, see. Well, that's what it, that's or, what they did with Dirty Dancing. Is they thought it was a flop and they released it in some obscure multi-release, and much to their surprise, became a hit. <laughs> they were just let's get this thing out and over with, and and it became a hit. Nobody had high hopes for Dirty Dancing. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Yeah, they thought it was a throwaway. And then there was the one uh, with, uh, what's her name? <laughs> uh, where she's teaching the students, and they put, uh, they changed the music in the movie. It made it with a lot of rap music and stuff. Oh, Dangerous Minds uh, with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. And it became a big hit. Yeah, the uh, had cool that Coolio song was made famous by that film. Uh, That's, uh, yeah, danger. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. And yeah, yet when you listen to her lectures, she's talking about Gangster's Bob Dylan. Paradise. I am. I like seeing movies in the theater. Some are big screen. Hey, but they haven't released anything in the theaters for six months now, right? But they will. The They're end of this to. month. We were just talking about that last night. Yeah, the new James Bond the- movie. Da da bum, da da bum. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bond twenty five. I right. saw the previews. True. It looks incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. I'd love to see it. It's the last Daniel Craig one. Yeah, that's, that's what he's been. I have a black midget lesbian woman. Yeah, <laughs> that's what. That's yeah, that's the next James Bond. Black they lesbian have to. midget woman. Them's the best kind. Yeah, yeah, and she's Asian. <laughs> and trans. <laughs> that one makes. And her pronoun is they. They. Yes. Yep, pronoun is they. And has horns. <laughs> so do I, but I get nothing done about it. No, so do I. Come on, Burl. We all do. Yeah. Yeah, watch out. Well, Burl, are we, can, are we calling you today here? Uh, we're getting close. Yeah, we are. I can hear the music now. I so, Daniel Jennings, too. buy his book January whatever. <laughs> I'll be buying it. Out. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for letting me talk about my book, Sentence. And Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you, Burl. Thank you, Matt. 
Thank you, John Boy. <laughs> What's next, Magic Bad Hell and the Demons of Decadence? Live from the Lightning Up Lounge. PanelaRadioLive.com You know that it would be untrue You know that I would be a liar If I was to say to you Girl, we couldn't get much higher Come on, baby, light my fire Try to set the night on fire The time to hesitate is through No time to wallow in the mire Try now we can only lose And our love become a funeral pyre Come on baby, light my fire Come on baby, light my fire Try to set the night on fire
Set the night on fire. 